Thank you so much for coming to our show. If you're interested, please stick around for two talkbacks with the director and members of our production team. The first talkback is about race and colonialism in The Tempest, and the second focuses on the sound design and composing process for the show. Once again, thank you all, and have a great rest of the night. Okay. <laughs> Getting started for real. Okay. Uh, my name is Ryan Tan. I use he, him pronouns. I am the director, and I also play Stefano. And today I am joined by two lovely guests who also worked on the show. Hi, everyone. My name is Ariela Algase, um, and I use she, her pronouns. I played the bosun in uh, The Tempest and am also the director of the Shake Race Project for the Stanford Shakespeare Company. Hey everyone, um, I'm Sohan. My pronouns are he, him. I play Caliban and Ferdinand, two very similar roles in The Tempest. Awesome. Yeah, and so what this chat is, is kind of our way of attempting to address what it means to do The Tempest in a post-colonial quote-unquote context and what do you think might be most important when we consider these racial and colonial dynamics in The Tempest? Sure. I decided to pitch um, a project of a reading group um, that meets every uh, couple of weeks in the quarter um, to talk about issues of uh, race and racisms in uh, Shakespeare, both in an early modern context and in a uh, contemporary context. I wanted this uh, project to be a way for us to consider as a company um, to reflect on how race affects our interpretations of Shakespeare with the ultimate goal of being a more intentional, uh, of a more intentional and accessible praxis as theater makers and artists. Um, now, um, because of the kind of unique uh, situation uh, we have this year, we were able to integrate uh, our Shake Race reading group within the Tempest. Um, so we uh, met as uh, the, the entire cast and crew met uh, early on in the quarter or early on in the process uh, to discuss two readings. One theoretical, um, Kim Hall's Things of Darkness, uh, particularly um, about the place of the Tempest in the early modern imagination um, and the themes of miscegenation, racial violence, and colonial fantasies within the text. Um, and the second piece uh, was Aimé Césaire's um, play, Une Tempête, um, a post-colonial adaptation of the Tempest uh, that explores the dynamics of race, power, and colonialism within Shakespeare and the political context of the 1960s as a way of reclaiming um, this 400-year-old text. Um, that, I think, is um, a very powerful uh, beginning uh, for us to consider uh, the theme of race in the Tempest, uh, not only to consider it within its early modern context, but to uh, explore how it can be used, um, how the text can be used as a uh, way of renegotiating fault lines um, among uh, uh, fault lines along race uh, within our contemporary world. And this production is very much inspired um, by our efforts in trying to renegotiate those very fault lines. Great. And yeah, I just want to pose the same question to Sohan. 
Yeah, um, great question. Also, first of all, Ariella, that was very eloquent. Um, I will probably be less eloquent. Thank you. But yeah, here, here's my here's my little take, which is that like the Tempest, you said it's 400 years old. It's probably been done like thousands to tens of thousands of times by now, like an absurd amount of times. And I mean, that's why like I, I love doing Shakespeare's because it's been done so much. It's absurdly freeing as an actor. Um, you have no, or I feel like just because the play has been done how it was quote unquote meant to be done by Shakespeare already and how, whatever, how other directors meant it to be done so many times. Now we're sitting here and we can do it however we want to. We're like absolutely free to wield this text however we want. And we can't, or maybe it's not the best decision or not our goal to stray completely away from it, right? Like we, we were mm -hmm. doing The Tempest, but we can wield the words in the way we want to and point them the way we want to uh, kind of without any obligation to what's in front of us. Um, I think, yeah, wielding words and wielding exactly what those words mean in this context uh, just, just lets you take a relationship that's complicated and may say things you don't want it to say uh, <laughs> in, in the way you think it was intended to be written and, and turn that into just your own work. And I think that's what we did. I mean, we just thought through every scene, treated Caliban as... You know, like I was empathizing with Caliban the whole time. We, ne we never ever made fun of Caliban. And I think that just by nature of doing that put a lot of things out there in the right way. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And uh, just to add on to that, Sohan, I loved your uh, choice of words um, in, uh, in what you said, wielding words, because we see in, this, in The Tempest how words can, in a sense, become a weapon. Um, and I know that in the beginning of this process, uh, the, um, the production uh, crew and I sat down uh, to talk about uh, whether or not we should delete some of the racist right. language in the script um, because we didn't want these uh, words that are repeated to become, you know, these uh, become like weapons that we wield. Yes. We didn't want to repeat their rhetorical violence. Um, so I think that's just a very beautiful way of putting, uh, of putting what Shakespeare's language does and can do. Thanks. No. And it, yeah, you're right. It's meta because it, like Caliban wields words in the play. Like that's, <laughs> you know, his power too and him taking it back. So yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, my philosophy, I guess, in trying to adapt this play is how do we, if it's possible at all, how do we do this in a in today's context without making this into something that erases the ugliness of the original text? How do we adapt it to subvert these themes? The difficulty for me lies in how do we take this text that is clearly dated and has this racist language in it. And like Sohan, you were saying, like what freedoms can we have with the language that is in the text? So some of that was straight up cutting some stuff out, but others are, how can we subvert this and say, yes, this, this is the language Shakespeare is given and yet this is what it can also mean. Yeah, so while we're talking about Shakespeare, I wonder if we can sort of dive into more of the colonial context, the historical context of where he was writing. So Kim Hall in Things of Darkness particularly um, argues um, that 
race and particularly the delineation of black versus white um, is uh, something um, through which Engl English authors and writers are uh, able to kind of uh, negotiate the very identity of Englishness. And we see this uh, even though uh, in The Tempest, even though it is uh, not necessarily, it is not set in England, uh, we still see uh, these traces of um, the uh, colonial uh, links between uh, England and Africa uh, on one hand, uh, specifically Tunisia, um, and um, specifically also uh, we see references to uh, Native Americans uh, and, to, um, and to Black Africans um, as well. Uh, so Caliban is this uh, heavily racialized character um, and different scholars have theorized that the Tempest uh, can be best understood within, uh, for example, the uh, context of uh, the uh, early colonial Americas, mm. also um, in, the in the middle of the Mediterranean. Um, so it, um, but nevertheless, uh, what these scholars agree on is kind of the racialization um, of the language and of these characters um, that sets this, uh, this play within uh, a uniquely early modern context that is in some ways very different, but in some ways very similar to the, one the ones we find ourselves in in 2020. Yeah. So obviously, uh, the most racialized character in this play is Caliban, who is referred to throughout the text as a slave. We know that when Prospero and Miranda first landed on the island, he was the king of it. And he sort of, they, they, they got along just fine and in fact uh, taught Caliban language, etc. until Caliban tries to rape Miranda. And this was another, this is a troubling <laughs> instance, naturally, of how do we deal with this incident in The Tempest? And ultimately, we decided that this piece of information is going to be kept in the play because it's part of the ugliness, I guess, of how Shakespeare characterizes or characterizes Caliban and I don't know if, if you guys have other opinions, but I think ultimately we came to a decision that th there would be some sort of patronizing nature to try to erase what Shakespeare um, as a white English man um, writ into this text. And instead of trying to erase that he had said that ugly thing at all, we tried to subvert it in an informed sort of way Exactly. Like on one side, erasing them it may be totally patronizing. And on the other side, playing into them and making mm. parts of them like all he is, does something like it's maybe harmful to put out into the world. And the right answer is walking this line in the middle and like kind of fighting like the weird beauty in the middle where you make people ask the right questions, but you uh, take those themes and, and you turn them into a character which is provocative mm. in, in a productive way and in an engaging way because you know the play is I mean so much such a fun play too um so so in, in a captivating way um and, and yeah I mean I think that's what we tried to do and I think 
the best way to, to turn a lot of the conversations we had and what I did. So I don't know if it's the best way. It's what I did. It's what I thought was, was the right way to do it. Um, turn a lot of the conversations we had into a performance, which reflects these things is keep them in mind and then portray Caliban fully, honestly. Definitely. Um, a lot of the things Caliban says about Miranda, like are snide and, and are turned into like him using words to poke at Prospero in a really mm. gross way. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think one thing that I used to walk that line was Caliban's like a little intellectual, he's clever, you know? <laughs> um, and, and he, at one point, like he empathizes with Stefano and like makes him feel okay. Like he's Definitely. caring, he's clever, Definitely. but he's also like really grossly prodding. Like one <laughs> of the, like, there's like those seven things that, that, humans do that you can kind of play into as an actor and one of them is poking and or prodding um I, I forget the exact ones but Caliban's definitely a huge poker a lot of what he says is so targeted he's like poking people like right in the neck um and yeah and yeah and, and he kind of leans into that as a way to fight back I mean I think like part of Caliban's frustration I mean you see it he can say all these big words and then he uses them to like use metaphors to describe how much he's hurt and how mm-hmm. unreasonable his situation is and the evil things the spirits Prospero does as Prospero sets on him due to him. I mean, it's like the immense frustration of I can do all of this, but now I'm just using it to describe how I'm being hurt. It's yeah. like immense tragic frustration. And that is mirrored a lot in the lines Caliban says, but also in the plot where he's stuck with Stefano and Trinculo as his yes. means to like save himself. And yeah, like no wonder he gets drunk and kind of goes a little loopy and just throws things at the wall. I mean, it's just like, on one hand, it's like funny, it's the comic plot, but on the other hand, it's just like another example of this tragic, Definitely. you know, like, this is the best, this is Caliban's best shot. Like it's seriously this, um, that, that fits with the frustration he has in a lot of moments in his lines. Yeah. And going off of what you were saying, I think that part of, cause I think that the Stefano Trinculo Caliban plot, that's the hardest thing in The Tempest to do right. Because if we look at the text, it seems very clear. This is basically just straight comedy for Shakespeare. There there are, of course, moments when Caliban gets to show, yes, indeed, he is of higher status than these two buffoons. Though there's no greater density of jokes in in this play than in in that plot. And so my work, I guess, as a director and in thinking of how do we do this text is and give respect to Caliban, but without being uh, patronizing, is we kind of made it a dark comedy plot, as opposed to just a straight comedy plot. We, we kind of introduced those tragic elements you were talking about, Sohan, of, yes, all of this stuff, and, and this kind of plays into our sound design as well, in that... At first, this island seems to be this idyllic sort of paradise, magical place. But as if we look closer at Stefano, Trinculo, and Caliban and what is happening, it's really, it's really freaking ugly. <laughs> and 
this kind of echoes what you had said earlier that we always wanted Caliban never to be the butt of the joke. We always wanted the butt of the joke to be who Stefano and Trinculo are as failing to be these, these wannabe exerting their authority over this person who is clearly stronger and smarter, wiser than them. Yeah. I think one thing that was important to, to the point you were making about making that like a dark comedy and, and using the jokes to point out what was going on was that during, during that scene, like Caliban is fully committed, 100% mm. committed to believing Stefano is his master. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that that was something I really wanted to poke at with Caliban is like, and you caught me a lot when I remember when we were doing that scene too, because a lot of those lines are so ridiculous. They're just hard to deliver. (laughs) No, yeah, he's he's saying these things like I will be your foot licker forever, things like that. And it's, it's well, yeah, Shakespeare is probably writing this thing. That's very funny. But it's, I don't know. I think that we in our modern context, we hear that and it's like, it's, it's like, ridiculous. Oh. It's absurd. It's, it's, and it's absurd, funny, but it's also absurd, like sad, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And something like cool happens if you don't make fun of that line, yeah, you know, yeah, no. you deliver that line, honestly, it, I think is hard to wrangle with and hits exactly what we were talking about. Yeah. Well, let's, let's quickly talk about m- my weird casting choice of since the start, I wanted to double Caliban and Ferdinand because obviously they both have this relationship with Miranda and with Prospero. And I sort of wanted to not necessarily give answers, but to highlight this, by, by this intentional casting choice, highlight this sort of foiling between these two characters and how our Ferdinand is... Or in the text, Ferdinand's apparently a noble prince who comes, woos Miranda over, you know, with Prospero's manipulation. And Caliban apparently starts the story off as this stock monster character. (laughs) And what I love about Sohan's performance is (laughs) your choices that you made for Ferdinand versus your choices that you made for Caliban. And so... I just want to hear more about the contrast between these two characters and your decisions and how you characterize them and what that sort of means for this, for these difficult topics that we've been trying to discuss. I was far more okay with making fun of Ferdinand as an actor um, than I was with making fun of Caliban. Caliban, I felt like needed to be played straight, needed to play honestly, needed to be played empathetically. Um, keeping a lot of things in mind to, to direct where Caliban was shooting. But I think wherever Caliban shoots, he, he almost does it, you know, fully transparently. And this was a lot of the conversations that Ryan and I had. You know, Ryan would kind of ask, like, what is your motivation? What are you trying to get out of the scene? What are your things out? And for Caliban, a lot of the times it was the obvious one. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 it was maybe like one or two orders deep. And I mean, I think part of that is this is an audio play and simple intentions and playing them well is kind of what I try to do as an actor. And I feel like it works a lot better than playing weird, complicated intentions. But um, it also seemed, I think, the, the right way to play Caliban given the conversations we were having. Ferdinand, on the other hand, 
I was far more okay with as an actor making fun of him in my portrayal. Um, just because, you know, Ferdinand walks in like he's the king of this place. You know, like he is kind of in aloofness, like nothing can possibly go wrong. Um, and even when Ferdinand's getting trapped by magic, he's kind of like, oh, magic, you know? <laughs> it's, it's not a big deal. And Ferdinand's I'm always going to be fineness is, is I think something that, that was a really, really fun to capitalize on and, and, and to poke fun at and to use in interesting ways. So, so that's the first thing I would say is the, the level of, so I, I wouldn't say like honesty because both were played honestly, but the level of empathy in, in both performances was different. And um, the, the goal for both performances was very different. I think the fact that um, we were working in a radio play format um, gave us this really unique opportunity um, to, to think about um, the theory in the social sciences and literary, uh, and literary studies of the sonic color line. Mm -hmm. This is something that, um, that the Falger's Critical Race Conversations uh, had an event uh, workshop um, about this this year. Um, asserting um, something which I truly believe that um, race is not a an, an, is not merely an epidermal description. It is a sensorial phenomenon um, that has um, deep implications for um, sound studies um, and the ways in which we uh, work with uh, we work with and interpret uh, the things that we hear. Uh, for example, for instance, um, it um, we can't really uh, see Caliban's race um, right. and Ferdinand's race, um, but they're still racialized. Uh, mm. But Caliban is still racialized um, through the text, um, and by not being able to see that visual, that epidermal descriptor, um, we're really able to interrogate. Um, I think the uh, the very foundations of what we think of and perceive of as race. I'd like to thank both of you for your time. Thanks for coming. This has been a lot of fun. And thanks, yes. Ryan. Thank you. Yeah. All right. <laughs>